welcome to This Must Be The Place You're Listening To, Liz Taylor of Monash University. And what this episode is about is actually the journal Urban Policy and Research, and most of the episode is a live recording of the recent 40th anniversary held to celebrate four decades of the journal being in publication. It started at the end of 1982, founded by people in Melbourne, and the party was held to honour, I guess, the origins and also recognise the contributions of various people over the years. Most of the recording is live, and I only remember to start pressing record when Crystal Legacy was in the process of welcoming people, and we only hear half of her speech, and also the point at which I remember to press record. It was out on the terrace at the architecture building at Melbourne University, and I'd just been introduced by Jago Dodson to someone who I realised was Margot Huxley, and then I proceeded to say, I'm a fan, but I didn't get to tell her why I was a fan until later. Margot Huxley has other excellent publications but the main reason I would say I'm a fan relates to urban policy and research so I'll quickly introduce that story and then go on to some edited bits from the the party which is also a good introduction to the journal and its history and, and perhaps why you should um, read urban policy and research today. So Margot Huxley the connection there was that I when I was finishing my PhD I had a part-time job in the Victorian Public Service. So I was never officially a public servant, but I was there in a consultancy contractual role in what was called spatial analysis and research, an excellent part of what was then the Department of Planning, Department of Planning, Community Development. It's had so many different names, the planning department. DPCD was what it was called back when I worked there. And the head there was um, Jeremy Reynolds, who was one of the founders of urban policy and research back in the 1980s. And he's always had this role that crosses between policy and research, hence the connection. But I'd mentioned to Jeremy that I was starting to look into planning conflicts around chicken farms, so industrial chicken farms, broiler farms. And he said just sort of instantly, oh, you should check out this article in urban policy and research from like nine, don't quote me on the year, 1984 by Margot Huxley about bylaws on chicken regulation. And of course, he then showed me that, I don't know if this is still the case now, but back then, um, the spatial analysis and research section actually had a whole room, a library full of print copies of relevant journals, including urban policy and research, including back copies back to the 80s and this article did turn out to be amazingly useful and a kind of real well it's still still relevant today but also very much of its time so the title was riffing on a popular tv show of the early 80s called the good life and in that margot huxley wanted to analyze you know this is a presentation of a an alternative lifestyle in in the english urban realm where these people pissed off their neighbours by starting to effectively run a farm on their suburban block and they had goats and chickens and various other things and it was all it was quite funny but it also presenting a bit of a, a radical alternative to how you might live in the city and in the article though she then dissects all the different ways in which you wouldn't be allowed to do this in Australian cities I think focusing on Melbourne so all the different bylaws relating to animal production and keeping animals in the city, which is kind of a it's a very planning-related way of looking at television. But I always have that reaction when I'm watching TV. It's like, that wouldn't be allowed. Or things like in American movies, there only ever one flatmate because usually you can only have no more than two unrelated people living together. In amongst all the, the interesting tidbits around bylaws that, that Margaret Huxley's article looked at was, particularly around chickens, the fact that at that time and still today, in most municipalities in Melbourne, you can't keep more than two chickens. In some, there's, you can't have any chickens, and in most of them, you can't have a rooster. And it's it's not just the, the um, idiosyncratic detail of those bylaws. It's a bit of a, a way of looking at what what's the role of these kind of um, regulatory mechanisms in shaping not only what is possible, but also our understanding of the past. Where did these regulations come from, and what do they say about the aspirations of of planning to define and separate and so on. Anyway, it was a great article. I found it useful. Also had an illustration which Margot Huxley later told me was done by a friend of hers and actually depicts her in-laws. So that's also interesting. No more cartoons in urban policy and research, so should go back to that. So from that awkward introduction to Margot Huxley on the terrace, we'll go back to the 40th anniversary of the journal Urban Policy and Research.
It's also a community that is also very collegial, very friendly, and one that takes on really hard questions. How do we know what we know and why do we know it? These are really important questions for us at the moment. And where that might take us in terms of how we evolve the journal over time. So I want to pay special thanks, and we will have thank yous later on, but those of us who are intersecting with the journal have played many roles, from editor to contributor to reviewer to reader. So I just want to acknowledge your presence today and thank you for joining us. But without further ado, I'm going to pass it off to Paul, who's got a few words to say about the journal, and then he's going to introduce our MC. Okay. Thanks, Crystal. Um, so you'll see I've, in my hand here, I've got a kind of sample of journals. And I inherited these from my colleague, Brian Shaw, um, who John knows quite well. And Brian was at UWA. So I'm associate professor in, now in public policy at UWA. And I've inherited these. And it's interesting kind of reading through them and the names. And I've got tabs on things to kind of make some quick notes. So in the volume one, the issue uh, one, in, which came out in December 1982. So Marcus, who I know is here, um, has a contribution on housing policy in the 1980s. And what's interesting also is the debate about a national urban policy. Now, you know, it's like it comes around like a bad penny and, you know, it's coming around again. And then in, a, in volume one, number two, there's a nice paper here from a young Brian Haratsis on retailing, and Brian's here in the room, so welcome, Brian. And there's a whole bunch of other kind of interesting things that kind of happened in the journal. There's uh, Gough Whitlam launched the journal, apparently. There's an article in here in volume one, number three, at a luncheon where about 150 people attended. Um, there is, let's see, what have we got here? Yeah, there's stuff on planning in the 1980s. The first special issue appeared, was on Adelaide. And there's a bunch of papers which were focused on Adelaide. And that's quite close to my heart because Adelaide's one of my favourite cities in Australia and I worked there for a while. And then the following year there was a special issue on Perth, which is also kind of close to my heart as well. Um, and then a really in interesting kind of evolution, volume four, number one, so that would be March 1986, just to get your, your dates clear. There was an interesting forum session uh, from Margot Huxley. And this was on feminism in the built environment. And as Margot kind of notes here, this is the first time that the journal kind of really turned its eye explicitly kind of looking at issues of kind of gender in the journal. So quite a little momentous uh, kind of step in the journal. And then what else do we have here? There's um, Peter Hall was interviewed by Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Rundle. There was an interview in that sec in volume four, number two, June 1986. And I'm almost getting to the end here. There's an interview with Tom Uren in Volume 5, Number 4, December 1987. That's when I started university. <laughs> um, and then my last one. So in Volume 4, Number 4, it was in December 1986, there's an interesting forum discussion which... Um, a certain young Marcus Spiller appears and then he makes a comment that's about a consultant's perspective on innovation and planning and housing conference which was held in Adelaide. And there's a line in here where he says, you know, he's talking about, he says, upon my return from a solid week's conferencing in Adelaide, my wife inquired of me as to how many genuinely new ideas I had picked up. <laughs> After some moments of careful deliberation, I replied, one. This in turn prompted the telling if somewhat sarcastic retort, marvellous for a conference that was supposed to be about innovation and planning and housing. And Marcus goes on to say in this piece, and this is my segue to our next speaker, the one genuinely new idea, new to me anyway, came from a paper by Peter Fibbs of Sydney University. And on that note, I welcome Peter Fibbs to the, to the mic to start proceeding. Thank you very much. Um, now, thanks for those generous words, Marcus. You, you probably never realised that, but I put that in my first promotion application. Um, which was spectacularly unsuccessful. I said you're a, you're a consultant, what do you know about academic life? But anyway, it was worth a try. But um, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, 
I, I used to be um, you know, an academic. I gave it up about 18 months ago. And obviously now I'm, the, I'm on the MC circuit, right? So, um, you know, I'll, I'll uh, help with the journal, you know, weddings, parties, anything, just you know, keep me posted. But um, it's great that um, I just like to, you know, give Liz a shout out. Excellent music, um, you know, in the introduction. Thanks very much. Um, really uh, enjoyed that. We're going to hear a little bit more from the, uh, the Taylor Project later in the afternoon. But we're going to get the ball rolling by hearing from someone um, a little bit later, the first editor of the journal, Brian. Take a bow, Brian. Um, you know, what a, what a thing you started. Did you realise, you know, all back in um, 1981 when you guys got together, and I say guys because it was mostly guys, but um, <laughs> things have changed. But um, did you think you were going to start a journal that was still running, 2023? I, I, I think at the time, Marcus, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we thought it would last for a while because we set out, set out the forever. We, 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 <laughs> we set out the referees and, yeah. and, uh, and put articles. In fact, we were. We were struggling for articles and, and referees. Yeah, well, that hasn't changed. I mean, not the articles. There's plenty of articles, not many referees. But, yeah, no, anyway, we'll, we'll love to see you again, Brian, and we'll hear from you shortly. Okay, we're going to start the proceedings with a, um, a version of a game, you, uh, uh, like a show you might have seen on the ABC, called You Can't Ask That. Um, and to help that process, we've um, I've managed to strong arm, well, um, what's the word, invite, four panellists who represent different periods um, of the journal. So all the panellists have um, written um, in the journal, some more extensively than others, and I'd like first maybe to um, call up Mike Berry. Um, would you like to come and um, grab a seat, Mike? Um, maybe on the end, Mike. Um, just by looking at um, the journal website, I counted that Michael had made 42, sorry, 49 contributions to UPR. Now, they weren't all articles, um, you know, some might have been book reviews, um, but yeah, pretty st stellar effort. Um, and your first contribution, I think, Mike, was in 1984, so um, good job there. Okay, next in the panel, we've got Nicole Garren uh, from the University of Sydney, who uh, has now obviously got something to do with the journal, I'm not sure what, but uh, it's, it's probably complicated, whatever it is. <laughs> I think she's in charge of scheduling meetings. But, um, no, Nicole, sorry Nicole, Nicole's uh, first contribution I could find was in 2003. Sounds excellent, excellent. Okay, now, um, next along in the um, time hierarchy, we've got Emma Baker from the University of Adelaide. I'm sure who knows, needs no introduction. And um, I think Emma, you started in 2014, I could find a UPR article. And um, very not much um, last, but very much not least, is um, Alexa Gower. So, uh, and Alexa, who um, has worked at a number of universities, most recently Monash University, but now is a research analyst at Ahuri. And um, Alexa um, opened the opened the um, proceedings in the journal, I think, in the 2020s. So, so real um, good distribution um, of people. Okay, so. Um, Excellent, excellent. So look, um, if we, we're just going to open the screen here. This is the big reveal. <laughs> and the big reveal, funnily enough, is my phone number. Um, so that's, if you want to book me for an MC, give me a call on that line. But also, if you'd like to send in a question for our panel, and you, you know, the title is You Can't Ask That, don't give them a softy question. Okay, no Dorothy Dixes, I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to take a Dorothy Dick. So I've got a few to get started. I'll give you a chance to, um, you know, warm up your phones. Um, standing by. Okay. So, first question. Okay. Don't get nervous, guys. It's 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 like I already showed them this question. Okay. Because they they're, you know, uh, nervous, right? So, first question is: Imagine you've actually left um, the bosom of the university. So you're working somewhere, <laughs> like some. Um, in that stretch, you're working somewhere and you've got no free access to journal articles. So, you know, and you decide you want to go look up one of your gems, you know, in, the, in sort of the back catalogue, and the only way you can get it is online. You go online and you discover you've got to pay 50 US dollars to access your own article. And my question is, and I'm going to start off with Nicole on this one, would you pay 50 US dollars 
to actually access your own article. <laughs> so Peter is obviously you're trying to disrupt the you know neoliberal university project that we're all complicit in. <laughs> um, I'm just asking a few questions, Nicole. I'm the MC. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting question. If I could if I could pass the charge onto my client. <laughs> 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 Excellent. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps that that's one of the things I'd do. Otherwise, I might, um, you know, try to cozy up to one of my academic buddies over here. To get him to send it. But yeah, would I would I fork out my own money now? Okay. Okay. Now. <laughs> no. Thanks. Thanks, Nicole, for that for the answer. Now, Emma, how about like your best friend? You think your best friend had paid fifty US dollars for um, <laughs> accessing you know one of your articles? You know. Who's not an academic, and they get very excited about your topic. Definitely not one of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, um, how about you, Mike? I wouldn't even read my articles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, if you gave Mike one of his articles, he wouldn't read it. Okay, now, look. I actually done a little bit of research of this, okay, and um, I discovered that um, the number of words in War and Peace Right? And I worked out that to pay the equivalent of a UPR Journey article, it's 33 cents for War and Peace. So I guess the question is, do you think your stuff is 275 times better than Tolstoy? <laughs> <laughs> and you're essentially saying no. Me. What do you think? Um, I think I'd probably pay the 20 cents. You pay the 20 cents. Okay, okay, so. But only for Tolstoy. Only for Tolstoy, <laughs> not for Berry. Okay, got a few I'm questions retired. here. I don't have a salary. Okay. Okay, here's a good question. Okay, so <laughs> thanks very much for that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the question as uh, anonymous for, um, for good reasons. So, um, this question is, and we might pick Mike here because he's probably written the most UPR articles in his, in his career. Where did you send your UP article before it was rejected? Probably uh, International Journal. <laughs> okay, okay. Honest answer, thanks for that. Um, how about um, the situation, do you think, um, um, Emma, do you think you'd regret any of your articles? You know, like you've got something published and you look at it later and you go, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Do you know, when you were talking earlier about going back 40 years, I do wonder what would be, you know, in 40 years' time that I'd look back and, and uh, but you know, so far, it's all, it's all alright. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Okay. Um, You've got time. <laughs> okay, this, um, I think this one's for, for, for you, Mike. Um, uh, okay, how did you promote your journal articles before Twitter and LinkedIn? <laughs> I think I went to the photocopier. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember coming to this building and going up to planning, yeah. where they had a great collection of journals, getting the right journal, finding my article, and looking <clears throat> over my shoulder and running off 20 copies. And then I'd send it out to people. Okay, there's a, there's a new idea for um, <laughs> people. <laughs> okay, this is a really good question. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, which one of you is reviewer two? <laughs> and why are you so mean? <laughs> Keep them coming. Excellent. That was an excellent contribution from the floor. Why is no one answering? Yeah. Anyone been, re been a mean reviewer two? What do you think? Take it out. I'll, I'll share an anecdote. Okay, the, the, excellent. So it was early in my career, and there was a, a professor in my department who shall remain unnamed. Yeah. And that professor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nicole. Just no, no, straighten that out straight away. Thank you, as I, as I go on, you realise it wasn't Peter. It, the journal had actually approached this professor to give a testimonial as to the quality of the of the journal. And simultaneously, I had a paper um, that, you know, I was peer reviewing. I had no clue as to who the authors may have been, but I assumed that they were early on in their career. And so I wrote what I thought was an extremely constructive 
review. Yeah. Very detailed, all of the things. It was possibly a two-pager. Okay, I was early in my career. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the article itself was longer than the review. I can't see that. And um, anyway, said professor came into my office. And I really believed the peer review process, you know, was totally, you know, Legit. bulletproof. Yeah, no yeah. one could ever, you know, guess who the authors would be, let alone your reviewers. And said reviewer, said professor comes in and he says, you know, this journal has asked me to write a testimonial, but it's not clear they're going to publish my article. Oh, I've had a very, very robust peer review. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reviewer obviously thinks this is a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do, Nicole? Should I write a testimonial? Or, you know, I mean, and I must have looked very, very, you know, shaken. And he said, well, you know what, lucky for the journal, it's the kind of review I really like because it tells me exactly what I need to do. To revise my paper. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Good story. Good story. We've got some coming in. Um, okay. So um, this, I don't know if anyone on the panel might be able to answer this one, but how much money has been spent by UPR aficionados at the Clyde? So, <laughs> that could be one for you, I think. Mike. I think that could be one for you. Well, actually, maybe for you as well, Emma. No, no comment? You know where the Clyde is? You heard about it? You might have been there once. I've seen everyone face to face. Okay, okay, excellent. Okay, so um, I've got another one. Okay, um, where have all the Marxist urbanists gone? And, you know, maybe they're just not publishing in UPR. Anyone like to... Um, Alexa, what do you think about Marxist urbanists? Do you... Um, Spotted any in UPR? They probably all moved to a hurry, haven't they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> all around the coffee table. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where they've gone. That's where they've gone. This is too good an opportunity not to advertise my Marxist political economy of housing coming out later. Excellent. Excellent. That's where they've gone. That's where they've gone. They've retired to their garret and they're writing urban Marxist books. Okay, that are available at all the bookstores soon. How much is that going to cost, Mike? Sorry? I'm uh, just asking the price. Uh, okay, okay. Yes, ma'am. That's I've got a question. I'm, I'm having trouble typing it, but um, what do you think about the opportunities for co-authoring with ChatGPT as a um, <laughs> UPR publishing strategy? No. Okay, I don't know if that was a serious question, but uh, anyway. Okay, this one, this one's a pretty serious one. We had our fun. We, we're cutting into the chase now. So, um, do you think many people read your articles? <laughs> Alexa, do you think? My mum. Your mum? Okay, so close friends. Obviously, two reviewers. <laughs> so that's a start. Okay. Um, <laughs> the first year class, yeah. Any any other advances on that? I think a lot of people read our abstracts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Titles. Oh, this one's a, this one's an interesting one on the sort of the same topic. Has anyone come up to you in the street and said they really enjoyed reading your article and it's changed their life? Anyone? Not UPR. Okay, okay, um, that's bad. Um, okay, so again, this is a really serious question. Okay, the notes to contributors in, in volume one, okay, volume one, number one, said the journal aims to disseminate, disseminate information which is useful to Australian urban policymakers. Okay, so um, do you think policymakers, in, you know, engagement with research has improved since the journal started back in 1981? Judging from the titles of the papers that we're still publishing. So, so, what do you think? Um, is Anthony Albanese going to launch any of our editions <laughs> soon? Just a matter of time. Well, that's right. Well, I mean, you got golf, but he actually had been out of office for a fair while. John got the gig, really. He was like probably an MC as well by that stage. <laughs> 
reduced to like three talking points and that's it. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so um, your articles could be too long. Um, <laughs> So, like on that question, like, so do you um, like enjoy working? You know, you used to work in the uh, higher education sector. Now you're at Ahuri, you know, which is a sort of a um, policy sort of research base. Do you enjoy working at an organisation that's more directly engaged with um, policymakers? Yeah, and I like a secure employment. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, because you were like previously in the precariat. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Six month contracts. Yeah. How about you, Mike? So what do you can think? I just say that? The original Ahurian involved people like me going around and talking to the state territory ministers. Yeah. And I'd say within two years, every one of them had changed. Yeah. So housing ministers were here. If they were any good, they went up to education or health or whatever. If they were any good, any not any good, they either stayed there or more likely they backed out. Yeah. And you got a brand new low level neophyte minister. It was very, very difficult. You had to keep explaining to the minister what you'd explain to his pre, or usually him, his predecessor. Yeah. The one I most remember was the Queensland Minister for Housing in the, whatever the Liberal state government was in the, the mid-90s, going up. And he said, he had no idea why we were meeting. And he said, well, what do you want? I said, Minister, we're here to ask what you think are the priorities. And he said, oh, well, I used to sell caravans on the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was that level of... Okay, that's <laughs> tricky. Change. Yeah. He was into tiny houses then. Yeah, yeah they were obviously ahead of his time. But yeah. <laughs> I um I actually got once to uh, you know I was invited once to um, like brief a housing minister in New South Wales and you know I had all my staff I had you know the talking points it's going to be nice and crisp and he I got in there and he shut the door and like looked up the corridor and he said did you hear that the premier's trying to dump me <laughs> and he wanted to talk politics with me like I'm an academic as if I know no one's going to tell me so we had a long chat about you know what he was going to do if he got dumped. And he had no time for the briefing. That was my experience. Anyway, sorry, uh, it's not about me, it's about you. Okay, so, um, this is the same question, Alexa. Do you want me to ask you seriously? No, no, this is, this, is, this is to you. All right. What do Uhuri staff really say about academics behind closed doors? <laughs> You've got to tell us. You've got to tell us. Come on. I missed the difference. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, I think the difference is that you have And then how can we put this from academia, academia speaking to my free talking points that I've got? Okay. So those are probably our top three things. Okay. Okay, you're not really going to tell us then, are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, anyone like to identify, this is a question from the floor, what policies have changed as a result of your research? Anything you know, you've, um, you put in your impact statement that you, you know, can see a, a connection? It's so, um, it's so distant from the stuff that we do. I've been thinking about that this week. Yeah. It's so distant from the stuff that we do that it's really hard to grasp onto. So this week a policy person did come and say, I went back from that talk and I changed policy. It's probably one of the first times someone's ever said that. Okay. So, you better get it on film. You get it on film. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Good for you. Okay, look, can we just put them together where they bleed? Um, we, Sorry, last word, Mike. <laughs> the one Uhuri report, full report, that sort of had an impact, and not necessarily as I'd intended, was the study that Julie Lawson, Hal Paulson and I did on a financing vehicle yeah. for government-guaranteed bonds. Yeah. And actually, Morrison picked it up. He set it up. The problem was he then filled it with people from the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, you know, the idea Tried your best. Great. Yeah, but yeah. Got, got corrupted in the process. Okay, look, can we put them together, they believe? Thank you very much. Very, very, very well done. Very well done. Okay, no, no, it's the audience. They're killing it. Um, <laughs> I've got a request, Peter. A request? Uh, for uh, is this more book sales? No, for Liz. You knew I asked my whole question. Yeah. No, for Liz. Um, every time I drive through Ballarat, I've seen 
I'm leaving. I love you, Ballarat, but I'm leaving anyway. Yes. And I want you to sing that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. There's a request. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thanks very much, panel. Okay. Okay. Now, it's with great pleasure I, uh, I'll invite Brian up to the microphone. I mentioned Brian was the um, first uh, editor of the journal, started way back in 1981. He, he's um, executive chairman of Macroplan, which is a 38-year-old um, consultant company. I think it's interesting that um, Marcus Spiller and Brian have both ended up in the consulting world after starting, starting off in the research base. Um, still loves working with his team of researchers and analysts around Australia. He was a director previously of the Victorian Planning Authority and prepared the last two plans for Melbourne as chief economist, and he's mentioned that he barracks for the bombers. Okay, that's a, obviously a Melbourne thing. Thanks very much. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so Brian, would you like to come up and um, say a few words to you? Thanks very much for today, organising today. Um, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. Um, I can still remember the, the first time Polis um, rolled off the presses and we were sitting in the, the uh, common room, Marcus and I, uh, with uh, Winsome, his wife, um, Julie Katz, Roger Harrop, uh, Richard Head, Ian Swan, and that was the same group that actually started, um, started UPR with a couple of additions with Robin Zakharov and uh, John Jackson and um, John Jackson and Jeremy Reynolds. Jer Jeremy Reynolds w was a, a real uh, fiery guy and he really pushed the, the academia part of uh, UPR. Um, but so that day we all went back to the, the, uh, the uh, common room and we looked at the magazine and we re retired to the, the uh, Clyde Hotel uh, to drink beer because <laughs> we achieved the impossible. And because at that time, it was the only journal in Australia uh, on, on planning. So yeah. it was a remarkable achievement. Mm. Um, and then um, th that group was a, a really tight-knit group. And there were, there, it's, it was it's, uh, remarkably well-balanced between male and female. I, I, I don't remember that being a problem in those days. But um, UPR come around and we were all, all older then, we were consulting then and we wanted to make a real go of it and uh, we, we co-opted people and as, as I said before, we, start, we, we started for the long term. We, we knew we, we would be involved in it for the long term but we wanted to start something w that would go on and, and, and with a scholarly base because there was nothing of a scholarly base uh, around and we knew it was essential to, to create debate. Um, it's a pity there's no debate at the moment because it's all politics now and that's, that's a real problem in the industry. It's only left and right. There's no critical analysis I can see at all. But be that as may, um, UPR has, has long, longevity. It's an important part of the jigsaw puzzle in Australia in, in urban, urbanism because if it wasn't there, and I've thought about if it wasn't there, we wouldn't have anything. We'd have no, we'd have no, no academic recourse at all in the urban policy field. And uh, I think it's a pity that it's, it's probably too narrow, but, but it is what it is, and it's, it's, a, it's a relatively small community of people driving it. And uh, I'd urge you to uh, expand, uh, expand on the concept and expand the ideas. A couple of years later, we started the first uh, conferences, uh, student conferences in Australia, and uh, that uh, Goff, with Goff, Goff Whitlam, uh, Hugh Stretton, uh, Patricia Rapps, uh, they, all, they all came. Uh, and that was the strength of the, the group because we knew we, we could talk to people in those days. We could talk to anyone and they would talk to us. And I don't think it's like that these days. I, I, I think uh, kids are maybe too frightened or too into um, IT or too into, into the internet to, to, to be relational and to think that they can talk to anybody because it's about talking to everybody that you learn. So with that, uh, I'd, uh, I, I was just uh, thinking about longevity. It's a, it's a tribute to all of you here. It's gone for so long, and I really mean that. So thank, thanks. <laughs> thanks to you all. Thanks to Crystal and Paul for inviting me. And uh, I'm going down to Clyde now. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, Rob. Okay, now, um, the game's going to finish here at UPR. We're going to have a, um, a bit of a, a quiz. This is not like the hard quiz. This is sort of more like um, the pub quiz. Um, 
but um, we're not texting questions to me, we're over questions. I've got the questions each time. So what you've got to do is, um, there's six things I'm going to identify, so one editorial and um, five journal articles, and you've got to tell me, okay, you've got to guess what decade um, the article's in. Okay, now, you might think this is just like a fun sort of gig, it's not. Okay, this is a prize, it's a big prize up for grabs, okay? So, um, I'm from Hobart, obviously, you know that already. And um, what we've got, um, okay, I'm trying to start little teams of two. So you just do it with the person next to you, just to make it a bit simpler. Okay, so you need two prizes if you've got two person's teams. There's a Tasmanian Devil shopping bag, okay? There is no Tasmanian Devil in it, but there's one on the shopping. No one's ever gonna steal stuff in a Tasmanian Devil shopping bag especially from Melbourne, I suspect. And also, um, for the other um, member of the team, there's some Tasmanian birds note cards. Now, these are crackers. Now, seriously, Tasmania has got the best birds in Australia by, like, you know, how many? Eagles. We're eagles ahead. So, um, you get these lovely little Tasmanian birds in an envelope, and you can, like, um, send them to uh, your friend, put them on the wall, give them your kids whatever you like to do. So, big prizes. Okay, so... Um, don't get nervous, it'll be okay. It's just a simple, you know, we're not gonna put this on your CV. If you don't know any of these, don't worry. Okay, so, can we um, have the big reveal, Matt, and um, start off with the um, first, first question. Just keep rolling. Okay, so, I'm gonna read out a little bit of an editorial, okay, from um, a uh, UPR um, edition, and I want you to identify, okay, we use the same time periods. Okay, A is 92 to 89, um, B's 99, you know, get sort of the idea, C, D is, um, you know, D's a good one because you've got 12 years. If you're a mathematician, they're like, might look better. Whereas, pretty cramped in the 80s. You guys are a bit slow to get started. Would have been better if you'd started in 1980, but, you know, we can't do much about that now. Okay, so, um, here's the editorial. Okay, the comfort and well-being that most Australians enjoyed in the boom years has been replaced by uncertainty, pessimism, pessimism and growing inequities. Government responses are at best patchy and uncoordinated. Um, there appears to be a growing cynicism about the usefulness of urban research at a time when initiatives and explanations are most needed. Okay, so that's the first one. So um, just you know, pair up with your partner, have a you know quick. Okay, well, what we're going to do is um, okay, you just got to remember your answers, and then we get you text six um, letters to my friend Matt. I'll give you his phone number in a minute. Okay. And then um, Matt will be the final arbiter, no correspondence to be entered into. Okay? Okay, so do it with the person next to you. You might like just to make a note of you. You only got to remember six letters. Okay, so. Give you a second to do number one. Okay, lock that one in. You've got to remember five more letters. Okay, let's have a look at the, um, the, the, the rest are just articles, okay, so, and we'll just give me the title, I'll give it, the first one is easy, just trying to get you started, okay, what do you think, okay, that, that's a give me, okay, if you get that one wrong, okay, you're going to get fired, I am actually going to ring your boss chancellor up, okay, but don't worry, don't panic, I wouldn't, that's a joke, okay, so, number two, okay, so, got that one locked in, okay, thanks Matt. Okay, the effect of proposed district centres on Melbourne CBD. <laughs> okay, that's caused a bit of debate. Yeah, that's trickier. Um, next one, thanks, Matt. New urbanism. See, there you go. That's a simpler one too. They weren't talking much about new urbanism in 1982, or maybe they were. I don't know. I wasn't at the climb. <laughs> if anyone predicted Jeff Kent in 1982, we've <laughs> done something earlier. Okay. okay. Next one. Oh, that's it. I know which one. Okay, there you go. It's a giveaway for Crystal. I tried to pick papers that no one was the author on, but obviously some people are more into this stuff than others. Okay, and um, 
Where do you reckon the bitumen mafia bury their... The bitumen mafia? I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, it's an interesting story. Um, let me tell you about the, you know, the bridge over, um, you know, the Tasman Bridge. Um, it was originally going to be a, um, a bridge where it was suspended from, you know, like from the, sh from the side of the shore. So you could build a bridge without many um, pylons, right? Now the cement lobby of Tasmania lobbied to get the design changed because they wanted to sell a lot of cement. So what, we, what they did was build lots of, you know, cement piers um, and, um, you know, the poor old boat hit it and we smashed the bridge. So there was even politics back in the day, Brian, you know, we, we actually could have had a much safer bridge, but it wouldn't have been made out of cement, you know, they're usually out of um, steel and cable, a suspension bridge. Anyway, so um, I think we, um, we're up for one more. The very last one. Okay, this one's a bit of a trick question. Question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've got six letters. Maybe, I think the next one's got your phone number, Matt. Okay, so you just type, you send six letters to Matt, and then um, between now and the end of the um, afternoon, he's going to um, judge the person with the largest number of correct answers. Okay, so um, you've got to send your, um, your answer now, okay, because I'm going to show you the answers in a second, because I, I can tell you're dying of curiosity. But... Um, if you want to enter, you've got to send Matt the message now. And please put your name at the end. This is a fair chance. So I won't have your number. Put your name at the end. That's a good, that's a good addition to the um, strategy. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was hoping that we wouldn't have been able to identify the people and I'd be able to take my prices back to Tasmania. It's obviously not working. You're a step ahead of me, Matt. Good one. Get the name and you get the prize as well. Just get the one name without the two names. Okay, so you've got to send it off now. Anyone need any more time? Okay. Yeah. The pressure's killing me, seriously. I could just ring the winner. You could ring the winner. Get rid of their house. Okay, everyone locked in? Okay, no more correspondence will be entered into, Matt, okay? Acknowledge the time. Anyone send six correct answers after this time, even academics realise, you know, we're not going to give you the prize, okay? So... still people typing. I know, yeah. Um, just note the time on your phone, um, Matt. Get the, last, get the last answer, close it off, okay? And then anyone else that tries to cheat will um, obviously... Um, give them a review or two next time. <laughs> okay, so... I'll get their paper then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, skip the next one. That's just my phone number as well. Answers, here we go. The editorial was um, A. Okay, it was the first ever editorial. Um, I cheated a little bit because um, it mentioned the 60s and 70s. Okay, um, the next one, um, City Makeovers, Cannot News, obviously with C. Okay, that was a give me. Next one, Matt. Next one. Oh, Disney Centers. Okay, it was Robert Carter. Yeah, the first, again, that was in the first edition. Okay, um, which was the cracker of an edition, by the way, guys. Seriously, it had everything. Um, it cost about $200 on eBay. I do that? Okay. Okay. Uh, the next one. The canopy extended. Euromism. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, we've had that. Okay, you probably shouldn't know that one. Next one. The Australian Road Lobby was D. Okay, I think people knew that one. And the last one. Okay, that was a trick question. Yeah, that was Michael Batty, again, in the first edition. Okay, so, who'd have thought? 
He's talking about plane theory, Michael Batty and the quest for the collars at him, all the way back in 1982. Okay, so look, they know the answers. Excellent. Okay. So, the winners will be um, notified soon. Um, it's, it's now my great pleasure to introduce um, another one of the, uh, uh, the founders of the journal. And that's my good friend Marcus Spiller. Um, come up, come up the front, Marcus. Marcus probably needs no introduction. But, um, I've got a bit of a blurb here to read out, which I will. Um, you know, obviously you're at SGS Economics. You're an employee-owned public company, and established more than 30 years ago. So, um, you know, it, I think it's just such a coincidence that two founding um, founding partners of the journal have ended up, um, you know, running large consulting firms. His professional interests include infrastructure funding, social housing, local economic development, and metropolitan governance. He was one of the instigators of the original committee to set up and publish urban policy research. So, Marcus, all yours. Thanks, Peter. And yeah, thanks for those kind words back in 1986. <laughs> I almost fell off my chair. I'm coming back to Peter now, actually. <laughs> I can't remember it. You've always been inspiring. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So, so like. Um, like Brian, and a few in this room I suspect, um, I'm at the stage of my life where these mega milestones and commemorative and anniversary events are popping up. So, uh, you know, apart from this splendid event, next week I'm, I'm, I'm regathering with my first year town planning uh, colleagues down there at University House uh, for our 50th uh, anniversary. Um, I had my high school graduation anniversary last year as you'd expect. And, and one of the things that uh, always struck me at these things is that everybody seems to remember things and I remember nothing. <laughs> you know, they can name particular events or some goofy thing that I did. I never did anything like that. Um, uh, but I tend to think of the past, or most people that know me will, 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 will have heard me say, I prefer to think forward rather than look back. Maybe it's just an excuse for a bad memory but when I do look back I tend to think of you know I tend to abstract a little bit and think about what was happening in that time generally speaking what was what were the big things in my life what was happening in politics what was happening in community and when I look back at the early 1980s I think of a point of inflection between you know the long post-war boom characterized by um, Big government, government involvement in infrastructure, regulation of the banking sector, um, a generally kind of uh, quasi-socialist social con contract, and what came after, which was, you know, we all we've all lived through it. Um, you know, the, 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 the period initiated by Thatcher and Reagan, uh, kicked off here by Hawke and Keating, and carried on by Howard. This is all about reconstructing that that. Australia that we've grown comfortable in. So it was a point of inflection. And anyway, there I was sitting at my desk at the Melbourne Metropolitan Board of Works. And if you don't know what the <laughs> Melbourne Metropolitan Board of Works is, you haven't been reading my articles. <laughs> I was sitting at my desk. Um, the Board of Works was probably the epitome of a long post-war boom institution. Uh, it was dedicated to the public good. It was working at arm's length from government. Um, it had a quasi, a faintly militaristic kind of uh, mission to go out there and reshape the city. And we all felt fairly comfortable and inspired by that. But like the tail end of the long boom, there's a certain torpor about the place. And a few people would sleep at their desks. And I think I'm remembering that correctly. Maybe Robin, you can remember that too. Anyway, the phone rings. And it's one of those beautiful plastic phones. Um, Unfortunately, with the keypad, not the dial thing, but the phone rings. And that's an unusual event because I didn't get too many calls. I picked up the phone. Oh, it's Mark Spiller here. I think it was called Strategic Planning and Research, something like that, our division. Um, how can I help you? I hear, hello, it's Gough Whitlam here. <laughs> I've got your letter. I'd be delighted to launch your journal. And I was completely flummoxed, of course, but eventually gathered my senses and I said, well, that's fantastic, uh, Mr. Whitlam. Um, uh, we'll be in touch with the details. And it came to pass that 
Gough came down from Mount Olympus and uh, launched our journal. Um, and we, we chose Gough deliberately, I think perhaps because many of us were harking back to a period when, you know, in the early 70s, when there seemed to be a very clear, I hate to use this jargon, but I'm going to, a clear line of sight between kind of ideas and theory and practice and it was kind of epitomised by the Whitlam government. I've got different views today about that period, but that's another matter. There was, ideas were driving policy and practice, and we thought, well, this is what this journal's about, so let's get God to do it, and indeed he did. And um, I believe, I've probably got, like, you know, I've got a slightly different view to Brian, I think the journal does influence policy, it does kind of infiltrate and shape thinking at many, many levels. I think just the fact that students read the, the journals um, is, is, is of great importance. Um, certainly in our practice, until the COVID uh, disruption, we had a, a, a habit of every time the print version would come out, we would ask for volunteers from around the firm to each read uh, one of the essays uh, and then present to a seminar, a whole company seminar about what the article was about, what was its thesis, what was its method, and more importantly, what were the implications for us and what were the policy implications. Um, so I'm very proud of what you've achieved. I, I, I did think it would last forever. I didn't really think about it much, but <laughs> we did see a, a gap, as, as Brian pointed out, a gap in the in the, in, in, in the, um, you know, the, the kind of galaxy of journals that were out there. This was a specifically Australian or Australasian-focused thing. It's broadened out, which is good. Um, but I think it gave voice to a lot of uh, up-and-coming academics as well as uh, established champions, and it's done great work. So, uh, happy birthday, UPR. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mark, as well. That, that um, little story has brought joy to the hearts of many academics, thinking that, you know, there's actually, you've got quite a big firm, so that's um, much more impact than they had anticipated. So, do, do you write to the academic, you know, and say, we've just had a seminar about your paper and, you know, tell them the good news, or...? Well, it... sometimes we actually invite you, if it's a controversial one or something that's piqued our interest, yeah. we have actually invited the authors in to say, that thing that you said about ABC, well, we... We don't agree. Or that's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I think we've had a few conversations going back the other way with stuff that you've <laughs> written back in the day. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's not go there this afternoon. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a, that's a you know really good story, and uh, you know hopefully it's um, repeated in um, you know other large organisations that are working in the um, urban space. A lot of times, um, you know, you get these calls from um, someone that's an ex-student, you know, and they're working in a consulting firm and, you know, they're still trying to keep engaged with research, they're, they're trying to find out stuff, you know, that might be relevant for a particular project, um, you know, so I think trying to continue that tradition after people um, leave, um, you know, universities to keep that research plane um, flying is, is, is quite inspiring. Okay, look, um, uh, you know, we're ahead of schedule, which again isn't like me, but see what happens when you give up a university job, you <laughs> develop bad habits, like, you know, keeping to time. So, um, we're at the stage in the program where uh, we're going to get the Taylor Project back up, and um, they're uh, hopefully going to sing, um, you know, the, the request. Oh, we can. I thought Kerry was going to come up with um, it. I went around the wrong way. Okay. Uh, no, no, you're right. Oh, you're last. Okay. Who's last? Because she's got to thank the Taylor had Project. Oh, thank you. It's all right. We can just talk amongst ourselves. No, no pressure, okay? Um, I think we'll do. Sorry, Peter. Well, yeah. should we, who's thanking Peter? Um, yeah, someone will later, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll probably, you know. I think we're going to do a song. Paul, before, who was a long champion of the suburbs, said, Can't you do a nice song about the suburbs? But we have, in fact, picked a cover song, which is possibly the meanest song about suburbs <laughs> ever written, so. It's about Daly City in um, California in the 1960s. Little boxes, little boxes, little boxes made of ticky-tacky little boxes, little boxes, and they all look just the same. 
There's a green one and a pink one and a blue one and a yellow one and they're all at a ticky tag and they all look just the same. And they came out just the same There's doctors and lawyers And business executives And they're all made out of ticky-tacky And they all look just the same And they all play on the golf course And drink children and the children go to school and the children go to summer camp and then to the university where they are put in boxes and they come out all the same and the boys go into business and And they all look just the same There's a green one and a pink one And a blue one and a yellow one And they're all made out of ticky-tacky And they all look just the same What does that mean if I really like it? This is a judgmental song about when we grew up. Good day when the wall. 